It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. George Orwell once said, The further a society drifts from truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. Sitting in Jonathan's seat and joining me today is Julie. I'm thankful to be here. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Julie, what is our topic for today's episode? We've got a good one. Is Christianity being canceled? Our theme text is Matthew 5, 44 to 45. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Is Christianity being canceled? Coming up in today's podcast, our cancel culture is a serious thing. One objective it has is to build up what is right and destroy what's wrong. So how's that really going? We're going to find out in about 15 minutes. Thinking is important, but what if in our desire to steer young people in what we think is the right direction, we're actually teaching them to not think at all? Is this really happening? We're going to look at that in about 30 minutes. Should morality be a uniform standard for all, or should we, due to our enlightened state, throw away, throw it away in exchange for personal perspective? We're going to have this conversation in about 45 minutes, but first, let's lay some groundwork. The world has changed dramatically. We now live in a time where diverse opinions and beliefs are coming under fire if they conflict with what is deemed as acceptable social narrative. In more and more circles, traditional Christian values of God first, fidelity in marriage, morality based on absolutes, and mutual respect are under attack. We face the potential of being seen as haters because we stand for things the world does not like. Now look, while being seen as contrary to the world is perspectives, the world's perspectives is nothing new, the potential for being canceled is. The momentum and ferocity that our current cancel culture has garnered is becoming frightening. Is Christianity destined for cancellation? How should we as Christians be responding? Should we be speaking out? Should we be flying under the radar? Should we be fighting fire with fire? We're going to deal with all of these things. And Julie, I just just did want to mention very quickly, Jonathan is still in the midst of a major home relocation. Uh, he'll be back, but not quite yet. So we miss him. We do, but thank you for sitting in for him. Folks, today as we unfold this very sensitive subject of the cancel culture, please understand a few things. Please know that we are not at all, not at all interested in the politics of the matter. Our goal is to discuss the issues at hand while adhering to the moral and ethical guidelines for being a disciple of Christ while in no way marginalizing or demeaning any other human being. That's where we stand. That's what we're about. Please, as we go through this discussion, don't forget that. So first, let's get our heads around what this cancel culture is and a little bit about how it works. So we found an article at gotquestions.org entitled, How Should Christians Respond to Cancel Culture? And they made some really great points. So we excerpted that and we're going to just read a few items here. They said, cancel culture is the modern social attitude that controversial speech or behavior must be punished through public shaming, silencing, boycotting, firing, bankrupting, deplatforming, etc., and the result is that the offender's influence, presence, and or reputation is canceled out. So it's proper for whistleblowers to reveal corruption and illegality or for abused women to come forward, confront their abuser, and make sure he's held accountable. But cancel culture goes far beyond that, setting out new rules to retaliate against speech, behavior, or even thought that has been prejudged as offensive or even simply controversial. And in cancel culture, people can be ostracized, their reputation smeared, and their careers ruined, although they've broken no laws or engaged in any malicious behavior. There is a lot to this, and Julie, you just said a mouthful, and when you're looking at this, you're saying, wait, really? 
And the answer is yes, really, we're going to unfold this as we go. This article actually introduces four points on cancel culture. Uh, we're going to treat one each segment. So, Julie, here, what, what is the first point from this article? Cancel culture is rash. There's little concern for due process, and in its place are immediate outrage and snap judgments. Fueling the controversy is partial, often biased information. All right. So cancel culture is rash. It's something that is, is, is very, very reactionary, and we need to be able to understand and, and know what to do here. So clearly we have our work cut out for us. So we have to decide where, where do we begin to be able to stand in this, in, this, in this scenario that we face, I think, every day. First, we begin with a call to stand. It's simple. It's a call to simply stand for the highest scriptural principles. And we get that call to stand for these principles from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And that's the point. Having done everything, what is everything? Putting on the full armor of God. We're going to visit the armor of God as we go through this podcast today. But the point is, we need to stand for something. And what we stand for and how we stand for it is of the utmost importance. So now let's look at what's happening around us. First, we are beginning this call to stand. Second, now, we're going to observe specific areas of life where this culture seems to have taken hold and compare its approach with what the Bible teaches. So as we go through this, Julie, we're going to deal with actually six separate what, what I'm calling cancel mindsets. And folks, as I address these cancel mindsets to you, this is my opinion. This is my thinking on the matter, and I'm presenting it that way. So if you, if you look at it and say, well, no, I don't agree, that's great. I mean, it's an opinion, and it certainly is, is uh, set for a rebuttal if you'd like to do that. First, cancel mindset. It seems to me, it seems to me that today we embrace the opinion and emotional reactions spewed on social media over the intrinsic value of truth verified by facts. We embrace emotional reactions over intrinsic value of truth. And this has to do with social media. Julie, what's a good example of cancel culture here? Well, first, I found a great quote about social media. This was from the blog of a person named Kolowoli Ajayi. And they said, it's a highly deceptive world, one that constantly asks you to comment, but doesn't care what you have to say. Hmm. Huh? Is yeah. that right? Well, is that, that right? And, yeah. And, and that's where we're actually going to end up going here. This is a, this is a big deal when we, when we look at this. So let's get into an example now. Okay, so I found this example. You know, many of us have heard of large corporations or celebrities being canceled, but it didn't take me long to find disturbing examples of just regular people getting canceled. And we're going to put all of our sources in this week's CQ Rewind show notes that you can view or download for free at ChristianQuestions.com and on our app. So this is from a New York newspaper called TimesUnion.com. A professor at Skidmore College, that's in Saratoga Springs, New York, attended a pro-police rally in July of 2020 with his wife. They watched supporters and counter-protesters from the edge of the crowd for about 20 minutes, and then they, they left to go to dinner. They didn't carry a banner. They didn't hold a sign. They didn't wave a flag. And he said they went out of civic interest and curiosity to see what was going on in their town. He'd been a professor at that college for over 30 years, but some students publicly boycotted his classes, and because he physically stood at that rally for 20 minutes, they demanded his dismissal. They put a sign on his classroom door that said, and I quote, this is not a safe environment for marginalized students. By continuing to take this course, you are enabling bigoted behavior on this campus, end quote. And one of his classes now, Rick, has no students, and the two others have just a very small number remaining. He's being canceled. So by simply attending out of what he called curiosity, that was too much for certain individuals, and they shut him down. That's right. 
they made the statements. Nobody doesn't show that anybody talked to him, anybody reasoned with him, anybody tried to figure it out. It was just he was there. This is therefore not a safe environment. You see the leap that happens with cancel culture. And, and so we have to ask ourselves the question, what am I listening to? Now, when we look at, at the example, we know what those folks are listening to. They're listening to a reaction, and then they're jumping onto that reaction. Well, we got to ask ourselves as Christians, what am I listening to in the midst of all of this? To help us understand what we're listening to and, and the other several questions we need to ask, we're going to use Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. We're not going to take the verses exactly in order, but each verse is going to show us accentuate the question. So the question here, what am I listening to? Proverbs 4.20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. So pay attention to my words. Incline your ear. When you incline your ear, you're moving forward. You are making a conscious effort to make sure you're hearing the words of the Lord. That's an important factor here. What am I listening to? So let's go back to gearing up with the armor of God. We read Ephesians 6, 10 to 14 before, but I'd like to start looking at the individual pieces, and we're going to figure out how we're going to use those in real life, because that's where we need it. And we quote from the New American Standard Version, unless otherwise stated. So here we're going to quote Ephesians 6, 14, and the rest of the armor as we move on in the New King James Version. So Ephesians 6, 14, New King James. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Okay, having girded your waist with truth. This is a belt. It's talking about a belt, kind of a utility belt. This belt, as part of the armor, neither protects or attacks. It simply holds everything together. It's called the belt of truth. The truth, the Word of God, is what gives all the rest of the armor a consistent base to be able to function from. This truth, first, is of God. Yeah, so therefore it's a higher origin than any other source. That's a good, good thing. Next, this truth is consistent. It gives black and white principles from which we can all deal with those shades of gray that come up a lot. And that's what cancel culture is full of, is shades of gray. This truth is eternal. Because it defi defines not only the past and the present, but it also defines what will be. And this truth is irrefutable. It stands the test of time, philosophy, compromise, and doubt. So when we look at this belt of truth and we're asking, what am I listening to? We've got to be focused on truth. This truth is the foundation, perhaps the unnoticed foundation for victory over Satan, and therefore a tool of major importance against cancel culture. For Christians, everything comes down to truth. Folks, what am I listening to when I'm faced with cancel culture in front of me, maybe in my life? Am I listening to truth? Am I looking for it to guide me, or am I reacting like everybody else? Here's the thing. We were amply warned, scripturally, that times that we live in would be really bad. Listen to these scriptures. This is, if these scriptures don't describe today, I don't know what does. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they've denied its power. Avoid men such as these. So we've got this example in Scripture, and sure enough, look around. This is what we see. So we were warned about the times we live in. We're also amply supplied with universal truths on which to build our lives. And that comes from John 8, 31 to 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And that's the point. Truth makes us free. Eternal truth can make us free. We can find the eternal truth in Jesus' words and in Scripture. And we have to stand against the things that are happening on that foundation. What am I listening to? We should be standing for truth. So, Julie, we want to stand uncanceled, but here's the thing. You can't necessarily be uncanceled in this world, but we can stand uncanceled before Christ. The question is, how do we do that? 
Well, amidst all the noise that this world makes that would draw me in with, I will focus my listening on only those things which are righteous, godly, and founded in eternal truth. This way, I will be better positioned to meditate on that which is good. And I just might add, not opinions, emotions, and reactions, but truth. So we focus our listening. What am I listening to? Things that are godly. Let me pay the most attention to those things in life. See, people talk about the downside of selective hearing. We need to engage in the positive activity of selective listening. By not wanting to listen to the world's chatter, are we ignoring our ability to communicate with them? That's an important question, and that brings us to an important distinction. There's a difference between listening that draws us away from our path and listening to be able to understand another perspective. Our listening should always be driven by eternal truth. This is what keeps us centered. So we're not saying don't listen at all, but we're saying listen with care, not with emotion, not with reaction, but listen with that truth behind it so that we can make sure we are going to respond and not react in a Christian manner in a world that just seems to want to cancel. Okay. So let's go back to that article from gotquestions.org called How Should Christians Respond to Cancel Culture? We're going through four items, and that first was cancel culture is rash. The second is cancel culture is spiteful. The vitriolic contempt coming from the cancel crowd is often shockingly ugly. Selecting a person for cancellation seems to be tantamount to declaring that person worthy of hate, and that comes with permission to slander him or her. Wow, this is really evil. And you, you read that, and if you're just reading that in, in, a, in an antiseptic way, you're saying, who, mm-hmm. would, who would do that? But folks, if we look around us, what we see is this being acted out. And I don't know, I don't know that the, the, the folks involved in doing this, I don't know that they really get it. I, I just don't know that you understand what you're doing to others. It, it baffles me. It truly, truly does. But again, we need to be able to stand. So let's go to our next cancel mindset. And again, this is a Rick opinion, a Rick observation on cancel culture. Cancel mindset. It seems to me that today we encourage complete individuality no matter the cost or consequence, rather than encouraging clear standards that define right and wrong. Seems to me we're all about me and not about standards, and that becomes an issue. Julie, what's another example of cancel culture here? So in July of 2020, a senior executive at Boeing Company lost his job because of an article he wrote in 1987 while serving in the military as a fighter pilot. He wrote about uh, that women should not be serving in combat. And an employee uses this essay as the basis of an internal anonymous ethics complaint against him. And he issues a formal apology for making what he called a, quote, embarrassingly wrong and offensive argument Um, and that, quote, it was a misguided contribution to a debate that was live at the time. The dialogue that followed its publication 33 years ago quickly opened my eyes, indelibly changed my mind, and shaped the principles of fairness, inclusion, respect, and diversity that have guided my professional life since, end quote. He lost his job anyway. So, Rick, this highlights one of the reasons cancel culture is so scary, There's no accounting for time and its circumstances. And there's no way to make amends that are acceptable to the collective. So the disturbing part, the disturbing part, there's many disturbing parts, but the idea that 33 years have gone by and there is no room for this individual to have changed his mind over, I don't know, longer than many of those who cancel him have even been alive. That's right. Let's 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 call it as it is. And you're right. You know, you, you mentioned that article. Cancel culture is spiteful. It just it if you have, if you said something that's not appropriate in somebody's eyes in today today, today. Right. it might have been appropriate then, that, and it's not right. appropriate now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an impossible standard. You're stuck. You're stuck. So yeah. so you know, we we've asked the question. You know, the the, the first question was what what am I listening to? Well, what drives how I what I feel? That's the next question we're going to ask ourselves. Again, how do we stand appropriately? What drives how I feel, what I feel? Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 4. Let's this time go to verse 23. 
Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Watch over your heart diligently. Don't keep glancing at it. Make sure you're protecting your heart what you feel. Make sure it is focusing on the right things because that's where the issues of life flow from. And this is exactly what we're seeing. It's just being misapplied in a dramatic way. So we need something to help us watch over our heart, right? So let's get back to our armor. Ephesians 6, 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What do we know about the breastplate? Several things. First of all, this breastplate of righteousness is in fact the righteousness and justification of Jesus. So it's not our own righteousness. It's the righteousness and justification of Jesus. And it is a weapon of defense. The ransom of Jesus satisfies the just requirements of God and saves us from death. So it's righteousness of Jesus, and it's a weapon of defense. What else? Well, what I think is interesting is in order for it to protect our vital organs, we have to attach it, right? It has to move with us as we move. And remember, we talked about that belt of truth. This breastplate is actually held in place by that belt of truth of God's plan, because his plan is centered on that price you said that Jesus paid, that ransom sacrifice for all of mankind. So it fits really well together. And, 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 and it fits to us, and it protects our vital organs. So what drives how I feel? Well, righteousness should be protecting what I feel. So that's what we should be going with. Rising above cancel culture is not possible without the protection of our hearts and our emotions. Make no mistake, if you're going to just react emotionally, you're doomed. You're going to be just like everybody else. We have to rise above those things. Godly righteousness from the heart has always been a scriptural benchmark to guide our emotions. And we know this both from the Old and the New Testament. Let's look at Leviticus 19, verses 15 to 18. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. You are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but shall not incur sin because of him. So there's a lot of direction as to not only how you're supposed to act, do not be partial to the poor, do not defer to the great, but also how you're to feel. You will not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. In other words, find the good. Stand for righteousness. This is Old Testament law. This righteousness always has to remain pure. This is how you stand against cancel culture. You stand in righteousness, in the purity of, of, of Jesus' righteousness. We can't violate these godly standards. 1 Peter 2, 16-17. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves for God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So don't use your freedom as a covering for evil. Because, folks, that's what it feels like you want to do when you're mm -hmm. being slandered in this culture that we're dealing with. So it's hard. It's hard. We have to protect our heart. What drives what I feel? Is it the emotion of reacting or is it the righteousness of God? Ask yourself, what it, what's driving me so I can stand correctly? We need to stand uncanceled. But again, we may not be able to stand uncanceled in this world, but we can stand uncanceled before Christ. How do we do that in light of this breastplate of righteousness? While appreciating and encouraging individuality and self-expression for all, I will always be diligent to follow the godly guidelines for such encouragement so as to build others up in a positive and healthy way. So we do want to encourage individuality and self-expression, but we don't want to encourage it when it goes over the lines of godliness and righteousness. So it's great to be individual and, and to be able to express yourself, but only we want to encourage that in godly ways. That's so important. Standing for righteousness. Guard your heart. Next cancel mindset. Again, a Rick opinion on this. It seems to me that today we seek to rely solely on what we think we know while minimizing and even ignoring the role and experiences of preceding generations. That brings us to the question of, where am I going? Where am I going? You know, to know where you're going, you have to know where you've been. And we can't know where we've been unless we are able to look back. Proverbs 4, 26 to 27. 
Okay, Proverbs 4, 26 to 27. I, I do not have that. Go ahead and read it. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. That's what we need to be watching for. Turn your foot from evil. Watch where you're going. And the idea is to be on the appropriate path. What about armor? So I am looking for my armor. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have this section. I'm so, sorry. So that's okay. So, so, so Julie, you're actually being a good example of how we need to be diligent to make sure we know what the armor is and where it is. <laughs> so Ephesians 6.15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Yes, that's right. Um, so um, the gospel of peace. Yes. So what happened was I had some information for you. Okay. And we were going to go ahead. I've got a quote for you. Okay. Um, from someone famous, and I'd like to drop that in here. Can you tell me who it was and when this was? This is the person said this. If we are not careful, our colleges will produce a group of close-minded, unscientific, illogical propagandists consumed with immoral acts. Be careful, brethren. Be careful, teachers. Wow, that sounds like something that would have happened within the last couple of years. Uh, sounds like uh, a Christian preacher, but I can't tell you more than that. Okay, so that was Martin Luther King Jr. at age 18 for his <laughs> college newspaper. How about that for being able to predict what was going to go on? Yeah, and, and what we see is, is immensely bigger than what he probably even anticipated. So we have to... Go ahead. Yeah, well, I've got, I've got two other, um, I wanted to bring you two other cancel culture things that are going on. So in April of 2021, uh, the school board for the San Francisco Public Schools decided to rename 44 schools that had what they called ties to racism and dishonorable legacies, including George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, even Paul Revere was getting canceled. And the school board ended up rescinding its decision three months later after backlash, lawsuits and historical inaccuracies about those that were being canceled. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so the example of cancel culture there is just not thinking it through, just having that, that rash thought and just moving forward. And so what we want here, as we just started, is, is having our feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does that mean? Where are we going? And when you look at the canceling of names of schools and all of that, you see uh, going down a very specific path. The message here is simple. As soldiers of Christ, wherever we go, whatever we do, we're responsible for having the gospel of peace reflected in our every step. This means that whatever our direction, we are always ready to deliver the gospel. So while they are looking to cancel out everything that might have a remote connection to something they think or feel is not appropriate now, never mind then, we need to stand with our feet prepared with the gospel of peace. Our every step must be focused on that. If we're having the gospel reflected in our every step, we are far more naturally prepared to stand up to the cancel culture with grace and wisdom. But we have to be prepared with the gospel to be reflected at every step that we take. Where am I going? Folks, where am I going? Am I going to preach the gospel or am I going to just simply react? Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. So stand by the ancient paths. Put your feet on the path that, that, that the, the scriptures tell us we should be on when dealing with all of these things. Don't get off the path and don't do what those other folks are doing. It's not going to help anybody at any level if we, if, we, if we reduce ourselves to trying to cancel out those who try to cancel us, perhaps. Humility, especially now, is a necessary compass that many seek to bury with their ever-growing scrap heap of history. And to know where you're going, again, you need to know where you've been. We can't destroy history. We have to let it be so we can learn from it. First Peter 5, verse 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God opposed is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And hum humility seems to be old-fashioned these days, like having a milkman or a VCR. <laughs> 
Yeah, milk man or VCR. But you're right. Humility is out. Who wants to be humble when 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 you can just try important. to get what you want? Yeah, yeah, and it is, and it's self-important. So again, we want to stand uncanceled, not before the world, but we want to stand uncanceled before Christ. How do we do that? While new ideas and ways of looking at things can bring enlightenment, I must be sure that the source of light I'm encouraging is wholesome. I will judge this by confidently standing on scriptural pathways and following the examples of the faithful. Stand on the scriptural pathways. Doesn't matter what they say, doesn't matter what they do, doesn't matter what happens to you, stand on those scriptural pathways. Standing against this whole cancel thing is hard. We always need to be checking to see if we are on solid ground. How did we end up so polarized that some want to cancel others? Where's the disconnect? This is a hard question that I don't even think we can entirely answer. However, a good place to start with is how we are taught to mentally process things. Critical thinking, the process of objective analysis to determine if something has a factual basis, seems to be dramatically lacking in our present cancel culture. Critical thinking is not being taught, and that is a major, major problem. So let's go back to gotquestions.org. We're reviewing four items from their article, How Should Christians Respond to Cancel Culture? And remember, we learned cancel culture is rash, it is spiteful, and we're at the third, it's judgmental. So here's how the article continued. The self-appointed enforcers of acceptable speech have gone to great lengths to dig up material over which to cancel others. People have lost their jobs over articles written three decades ago, jokes told in one's youth, classic literature read aloud, and opposite editorials published. There is no room for conformity or free speech. If the language police were judged by their own severe standard, how many of them would remain uncanceled? Isn't it odd that there are those that seem to be in this place of, of, of pushing the cancel button, but there's no repercussion going back that way? Mm-hmm. You, well, a lot of it's anonymous, so that's really easy to do, and then you've got that mob mentality. So cancel culture is judgmental. Folks, look, you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, do you want to be judgmental? You shouldn't want to be judgmental. So if you don't want to be, don't do it. Don't get involved in it. Don't be drawn in by trying to fight fire with fire. Let's look at another cancel mindset. Again, my, my perspective. It seems to me that we are teaching our children and young people what to conclude and therefore what to say while stifling their ability to learn the power of critical thinking. So we started talking about critical thinking, and we want to really, really focus on that because it's such an important, vital part of, of being able to have a mature life. Julie, let's go to another example of cancel culture. And by the way, I had messed up the order of things before, and I threw you completely off, and I apologize for that. <laughs> that was all me, not you. Give us an example. I wasn't canceling you. I really wasn't. <laughs> that sounded like it. <laughs> okay, so I've got a great, an, uh, another great example. Unfortunately, it's not great. It's awful. Um, Dr. Christina Crenshaw, she's a recurring lecturer at Baylor University. That's in Waco, Texas. And for those that don't know, that's a private Christian university. It's Baptist. She posted a tweet on Twitter related to President Biden's recent executive order regarding transgender issues. And here's what she tweeted. What if I don't want biological boys in the bathroom with my biological daughter? Do the 99% of us who do not struggle with gender dysphoria have a voice? No? Cool. (laughs) A little sarcastic. And several students notified the university and they began a petition for her removal. And originally the student newspaper there labeled her as a transphobe and that you know, kind of piled on the people hating her, but that they issued an apology and their article was updated to instead describe her statements as, quote, controversial. So she's quoted in an article in the Texan News. And again, we're putting all these sources in the CQ Rewind show notes. She said this, quote, this is less about transgender issues and more about the religious liberty and free speech of faculty on a Christian campus. It's been a shocking experience. I wouldn't wish this persecution for expressing an opinion on anyone. I am uh, less concerned about transgendered people as I am about others exploiting the opportunity. As a mother, I want to know if the rest of us have a voice in this. 
are we having a nuanced conversation, end quote. And according to the article, uh, she said, it said, Crenshaw feels like she's been a victim of cancel culture, and she'd like a conversation to ensue about what it means for free speech, freedom of religion, and for people of faith on a Christian college campus. That's a mouthful. And give her credit for being bold to say, look, this is, this is about something bigger. This is about the ability to actually have a back and forth conversation. That's and, that, right. and that brings us to our next point. What am I saying? We might hear what others are saying, but we have to ask ourselves, what am I saying in, in, in relation to all of this? Proverbs 4, 24. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Put those things away. You don't need deceit coming out of your mouth. You're supposed to represent Christ. So how are we going to keep something that's deceitful and devious away from us? Well, how about Ephesians 6, 16? It says, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which you, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So what do we know about this shield of faith? Well, this shield, and this is a big shield. It's like two foot by four foot. So this is a big shield. This is carried onto the battlefield, but it can be put down. It's massive, portable protection. It's an offensive weapon to push back the enemy. It represents a double protection because it's carried uh, to cover the armor that one wears on the body. So there's a double layer of protection, the shield and then the armor. Well, you certainly can't storm a castle with it. No. Um, but you will be protected when in a place of vulnerability, a place where there's no walls. And what I think is neat is that you could line up with your fellow soldiers and use those shields collectively as a wall. Think about that as a Christian. Uh, this shield is specific to extinguish, as it said, all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. So we are under attack. And faith will help us filter our words. We want to speak with grace and not anger to those that may be canceling us. So our words need to come through our faith, not in spite of our faith, not circumventing our faith, but through our faith. With faith firmly in place, we are well positioned for addressing the critical thinking issues when dealing with cancel culture. Faith should remove, now listen, faith should remove the fear of listening to those who would cancel. It should uh, remove the fear of questioning them and the fear of speaking with grace, speaking with grace in response to them. In other words, we should be standing gracefully with wisdom and courage in Christ and, 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 and looking to create some kind of dialogue. And you might think, well, that's suicidal. Well, you know what? We should be standing for Christ anyway. Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So it, there's not a canned response to this, but there needs to be wisdom as we approach it. But, but folks, we, as Christians, we want to stand for Christian principles, and we do it with grace. And if people insult you, okay, they do. We stand for something that's higher. We want to stand uncanceled, not before the world, but we want to stand uncanceled before Christ. How do we do that? For those who are determined to pass judgment based on groupthink, I will not return such judgment. Instead, I will stand in the grace given me from above and respond to them with wisdom from above. So it always comes back to responding. What am I saying? With wisdom from above. That comes through faith. Let's move on to the next cancel mindset, my perspective. It seems to me that today we bask in the comfort of personal preference while burying the idea of learned wisdom. So, Julie, let's go to another example. Well, I've got a quote from Kamele Foster from Newsweek magazine, June 17th, 2021. They said, it's very ironic that we live in an era when we talk a great deal about diversity and inclusion, but in a very real sense, the ethos of cancellation culture is actually exclusion, monoculture, and conformity of perspective, driven so much by this forceful ostracization of people who are perceived to have the wrong sorts of ideas. So in other words, this is me saying it, if you don't agree, you don't get to speak. So when we, when we come across that, we have to ask ourselves, well, what do I see? 
in, in all of these things happening? Do I, do I see others as worthy of being canceled, or do I see the goodness in them that, incidentally, Jesus died for? Do I see that they are ransomed by Christ? Do I see them in a better light, do, or do I see them the way they might be looking at me? That's really difficult because there's a thing these days called doxing. And doxing is where you reveal someone else's private information, their spouse's name, their address, their phone number, their workplace. And then it's kind of like a grenade. You just throw and let uh, the crowd, the mob, you know, attack that person. So, you know, it's difficult because if you happen to be that person to be able to think of them like these are the people that Christ died for when they're after me, that's really difficult. It is. It is. And, and, you know, if we if we believe in salvation, we see life differently. Salvation is our spiritual reticular activator. Wait, our what? <laughs> our our reti- what? reticular activator. <laughs> What's a reticular activator? It is in the brain. It's in the human brain. It's this, it's this area of the brain that filters things out for you because you get so much input. It filters out and, and lets you focus on what it deems to be important. Uh, example, when you are deciding you want to go buy a certain uh, uh, make and model of a car, you go okay. to the dealership, you look at it, and then you, start, you drive home, and all of a sudden, you see that car everywhere. You, know, you never noticed it before, but now you see it. You want to paint your house green, so now you're driving home from the paint store, and every ho- other house seems to be green. You, you begin to notice things that you never would have noticed because your reticular activator is now saying, this is important, focus on this, this is important. By doing that, it devalues everything else and increases the value of what it's focusing on. So the question is, am I devaluing things that actually have great value? Is my reticular activator focused on godly things so I'm seeing the best in things? Or am I letting it just shut other things out that that may be important but I just don't want to see? Oh, okay. So, so that's why Proverbs 4.25 is so important. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Look ahead and see things the way you want to see them. And Julie, let's go back to the armor here. Yeah, we're going to need to protect our head. So Ephesians 6.17 says, and take the helmet of salvation. So obviously this helmet is there to protect the head, the mind, the control center for the entire soldier. How fitting that salvation is, uh, what that protection is made of. We must have an intellectual acceptance and understanding of the ransom of Jesus on our behalf. We have to have it in our heads. We have to know it. It's not a feeling. This is a knowing and that salvation is what protects our minds. And so what do we see? Let your eyes directly look ahead of you. We need to be clearly focused. So knowing the power of our salvation is learned wisdom applied. We, we learn the wisdom, and then we apply it. We can stand in confidence against the cancel culture, knowing that God alone is our judge, and he judges us through Christ. This is an enormous point. How do you deal with it? you know who your judge truly is. Romans 8, 31 to 35. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised? who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Or cancel culture? Or cancel culture? (laughs) It's not in there, but the, the, the thought is here. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who judges. So folks, whatever it is you're standing against, be, be clear that they can hurt us. They can, they can hurt our bodies, but they can't take our lives from being godly, from standing as a disciple of Christ. That's the important thing here. So standing uncanceled, not before the world, but before Christ. How do we do that? When attacked with great emotion for standing for Christ, I will be secure in the fact that God is my judge, and whatever other condemnation comes my way is of little consequence in relation to eternity. So doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the outside is bringing. It matters what we are standing for. 
and what judgment comes from above based on what we are thinking, what we are feeling, and what we are doing as representatives of Jesus in a very, very confused world. So it sounds like standing up to the cancel culture with God's grace and wisdom is the very best way to fight it. It seems that standards are a missing element in today's cancel culture. How do we address this, this missing standards? The cancel culture's absence of overriding standards is a massive leap from our Christian principles. This difference may prove to be insurmountable as a challenge when seeking common ground to communicate. In some cases, we may be left with a respectful agreement to disagree. There may be times, and I venture to, to guess that there will be many times when we just, you're not going to be able to overcome the, 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 the gap in between, but you want to be respectful in your disagreement. Whether they are or not is not material. I must be respectful in my disagreement with that other individual. Okay. So let's finish up our fourth point from gotquestions.org. Remember the first three we had, cancel culture is rash, spiteful, judgmental. And finally, we've got the last item four. Cancel culture is unforgiving. Past instances of inappropriate or hurtful speech or actions, no matter how long ago, are not to be forgiven in cancel culture. Once a person's canceled, there is no way to restore that person to the good graces of society. There is no grace. There is no chance for redemption. Rehabilitation and restoration are not the goal, and neither is learning from one's mistakes. The goal is to smear, defame, and malign. And boy, I can't think of anything less Christian and less godlike than those things. So when we are faced with it, what do we do? It says it's unforgiving. We as Christians should be forgiving. We should look for opportunities uh, for forgiveness to be in play. We can't be the ones canceling. Please understand, if you are a God-fearing, Christ-following individual, this is not the pathway that we walk down. We have to be better than this. So if someone is doing something that is against our Christian principles, we smack them down, we no. dox them, no. we no. try to cancel them, no. we participate in a petition, no. we get them out of our no. schools, what do we do? No, we gracefully, with the grace of God, approach the issue and see if we can find a, a solution, we'll see if we can find a conversation. You probably can't. And, and, and you're saying, Rick, what are you, wasting your time? Well, maybe. But if I'm standing for Christ, am I? Am I really wasting my time or am I witnessing? Am I witnessing, am I planting a seed that may not germinate in this life, but it may germinate for them later on? So we need to stand with grace, with God's grace. Let's get on to our final cancel mindset. It seems to me that today we proclaim my personal behavior is only subject to my wants rather than accepting an overriding moral standard that guides all. Julie, one last example of cancel culture. Go ahead. I know you just can't wait. Okay. Well, here's another one. Oral Roberts University. This is another private school. It's located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And in March of this year, 2021, their basketball team made it to the Sweet 16 in the March Madness Tournament. So here in the United States, that means 16 teams in the regional semifinals of the NCAA Division I tournament. Yes, I had to look that up. I was going to say, wow, you did really well <laughs> describing that. <laughs> there were calls for the student athletes to be banned from playing because of the university's stance on marriage between heterosexuals. So there's calls to cancel Oral Roberts University because of its biblical beliefs on LGBTQ plus issues. And there's an opinion piece on USA Today that I, we put in the rewind, but one paragraph stuck out for me in this piece. And it said this, the dogma teaches that tolerance must mean agreement, then branding all who disagree as intolerant and harmful not satisfied that we respect opposing views on human sexuality, all must affirm homosexuality as acceptable within our own theology. There can no longer be any disagreement, only compliance. And again, I think the key here is it's a private Christian school that has standards that now are being said, you can't have those standards anymore. And not only can you not have those standards, we're going to express that by, by rebelling against your sports team competing legitimately right. on, on, on the field of play, if you will, and say they shouldn't be there because you have those standards. Folks, 
United States of America, that's Julie, that's where you and I live. This is a country where we do have freedom of speech and we do have freedom of religion. However, the cancel culture doesn't seem to recognize that when you see things like this. And they say, we don't like it, therefore it shouldn't be, therefore you can't do the things that you would normally do. There's something dramatically wrong with that. And when we look at this, and it can get your ire up, it can get you frustrated, but you have to ask yourself, okay, what am I protecting now? What am I getting mad about and what am I protecting? Don't know what they're protecting. Well, they're protecting feelings, I think, and that's a Rick opinion. But let's look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 21 and 22. And in these verses, it's speaking about God's words. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Do not let God's words depart from your sight. You know what that means? That means they should be in front of you at all times, not behind you. You didn't read, you didn't hear it on Sunday when you went to church and then it's Thursday afternoon and you're forgetting about it. They should be in front of you all the time. And that way, if you are continually focused on God's words, then we know how to protect that which is sacred. And you don't protect that which is sacred with evil actions. It just doesn't fit. Okay, that's, that's really well said. We have one more piece of armor that we need to talk about, and that's in Ephesians six seventeen, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So all of the other armor is in place to protect, to guard that which is vulnerable. So Julie, how would you describe this sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Well, this sword is your weapon of offense. You can attack with this, and it's given to us to use in our hand. We choose how we wield it, but we can also make that choice to put it down. So it's not attached, right? So, so just like just like the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit is not permanently attached. Everything else is just strapped onto you. Here, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, it is something that's critically important that requires your attention. It requires holding onto. One of the primary differences that we just mentioned between all of the armor and the shield of faith and, faith and the sword of the Spirit is the other pieces are what God gives to us. They are strapped onto us. They are part of our being. All of the other armor is fastened compared to these two pieces, which are held and actively used, which pictures what we give to God. So when we are dealing with cancel culture, and, and Julie, you've given us some really provoking examples to think about, to make this very, very real in the world in which we live, to, to, to look at and say, wow, is that really happening? And, and I appreciate the fact that in, in your examples, you gave the dates. And all of those dates for all of those examples were, were what, within the last year, right? Right now, yeah, that's right. So it's continuing to unfold before our eyes. What do we do? In our cancel culture challenges, we need to handle this sword, the sword, God's word, with appropriate purpose. Remember, its purpose is to fight off evil while taking care to not destroy unbelievers. And here's the big difference. We can say the sword of the spirit, you're going to crush evil and you go and you become the maniac that just wants to destroy everything that, that represents evil in your path. God would want me to do this. No he wouldn't. Jesus died for those people as well. Do you stand against the evil? Yes. Do you condemn the person? No. Hate the sin, not the sinner. So they may want to destroy us, but we do not have the right to destroy them. We don't have the right. We don't have permission. We don't have the tools for destroying them. And if we use the tools that we have to do so, we are anti-God in that action. We just are. And make no mistake, we can't enter into this little battlefield here. This is not ours. Ours is different. And the way Jesus stood above his accusers, remember how they were bringing him in and they were accusing him falsely and doing all of those things. And you can say they were doxing him and everything else. <laughs> right. Okay. And what did he do? He took what they gave him because he knew that his life was to be sacrificed. That's the attitude we need to have. Philippians chapter 2, 12 to 15. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. I love that last verse that you prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach. And it doesn't matter what's happening around you. Do not let this cancel culture, this, this, it, it's venomous, it's, it's, it's judgmental, it's spiteful, it's rash. Don't. It's emotional, and yeah. we can get dragged in with the anger and the furious, and we want to defend, and it's tough. It is, it is. And we need to stand for something much higher. We need to take a breath. And, you know, it's an interesting, interesting side point real quick. Jesus did get angry, but he got angry when he needed to, to make a point. Jesus didn't get angry in an uncontrollable fashion. He was angry when it proved a point and he was standing for righteousness. Let us be the same way. All of our human interactions have to be conducted in that manner, according to Scripture. Let's look at uh, 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Flee from these things. Pursue righteousness, you man of God. Be that individual that stands above the fray. So, go ahead. Well, we want to use this offensive weapon, this, 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 this Bible, to bless and not destroy. We're trying to cut off evil but not hurt people. Yes, exactly, exactly. And, and that's why we made that statement at the very beginning of the podcast. We are standing for something that we believe is principally based, but it has no intention, no desire to minimize or to, to, to malign anybody. People can have their opinions and, and all of that. God will take care of that all in his due time. So, Julie, as we wrap this up now, standing uncanceled before Christ, how do we do that here? As I face what may be an inevitable crossing of paths with the cancel culture, I will stand firm in Christian principles and in God's grace for me. I will always remember Jesus died for every one of those individuals. And if Jesus loved all of humanity enough to give his life, I will also love all of humanity. So I will stand for that which is right, but I will stand for that which is right in an appropriate disciple of Jesus-like way. So is Christianity being canceled, Rick? Do you think we are approaching a time that Jesus prophetically spoke of? Remember John 9, 4, we must carry out the works of him who sent me as long as it's day because night is coming when no one can work. Do you think that night is coming when no one can work? Is that what's happening? Well, I do think that's coming. Uh, I don't know if we're there yet. I'm not sure that we're there yet. Could this be the beginnings of it? Sure. I, but I don't know. Here's what I do know. That individually, we may be coming across circumstances, at least, where we will be, quote, canceled. What does that mean? It means you may be uh, subject to all kinds of persecution because you stand for something that others don't like. So whether it is a broad, sweeping cancellation in which the night where no man can work or it becomes individual, it's still relevant. We need to think about this and put this in perspective and think seriously, what will I do when I'm dealing with these things? What, what am I listening to? What drives what I feel? Where am I going? What am I saying? What do I see? What am I protecting? How well am I putting on God's armor? Am I putting myself in a position to be able to stand for things because I have been armed appropriately so I can stand as a witness to God through Christ in the midst of such turmoil, such confusion, and such, such injustice? Folks, we have a great opportunity here. That's what this is. This is a great opportunity. Let's use it. Let's stand higher on higher, stronger ground, and be witnesses for Christ, even if they are trying to cancel us. That is what our lives should be about. Think about it. 
Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our podcast is subscribing to Christian Questions in your favorite podcast channel, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us and review us. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, Shift Gears. What are the true reasons for Jesus' return to earth? Why does he come back? We'll talk about that next week. 